This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself, Dan Self, WinnerPoint.net, Cheryl Walshdown, Culture.com, talk about the latest in Game of Thrones, Song of the Fire, John Fiction News. Cheryl, how are you? I'm fine, Dan. How are you? Excited. Okay, why are you excited, Dan? To greet all of you. Hello, everybody Hi, who's everyone. coming here. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Gina. Hey, Julie. Sue, Christy, glad you could join us for another eventful episode of the show. And I think, let's just start right off in it. I let's mean, go. Uh, this Sunday... New Game of Thrones season eight footage. Surprise! Surprise! I mean, the Oscars were that night, and HBO was just like, you know, you know, it'd be fun. Let's steal their thunder, and then they did. I mean, it wasn't hard. The Oscars. <laughs> I the liked Oscars. them. I enjoyed the Oscars this year. The hostlessness worked. Hosts are useless anyway. That's my opinion on hosts. But anyway, aside, aside. Whatever. New footage. Anyway, um, they dropped some new season eight footage in a uh, kind of look forward to what HBO has to offer this year, which is quite an interesting lineup of stuff. And let's just watch the new Game of Thrones footage and see what we can see about it. Roll the three-second clip. (laughs) And we're back. Perfect. Okay, so basically, that's not a lot, but it's enough for us to pick apart, right? Of course it is. So we got three shots there. We got Drogon flying over the Unsullied, which is just great. I love it. Oh my He's god, so in the big. north. He's huge and they're you can tell they're in the north cuz the color palette is all <laughs> wash out. Yeah, deep blue and whites and grays. It's great. So the Unsullied in the north. Hello Kenny. We're going to talk about your theory today by the way, Kenny. Looking forward to that. And uh hello Diane from Scotland. Greg says Heidi Ho from Luxembourg. Hey. And Ismael points out, hello everyone, the countdown is here. Only a month and a half left. I know, it's getting freaky. A little bit. Anyway, I love um, Dragon Over the Unsullied, Smart to the North. Just, I'm just getting excited. It's going to look great. I know, you, you are having, you're having a moment and it's okay. So, shot two. Unsullied, marching toward the camera. Yes. Also nice, also in the north. But really, there's only one shot from those two that kind of stood out. And that has to be Arya Stark looking up at what we're, I'm just going to assume is a dragon. People behind her, I think in the winter town at Winterfell, I'm not 100% sure what I think so, scrambling for cover, running for their lives, trying to bound over each other to safety. And Arya's just like, whoa, that is awesome. 
Arya Stark's face basically says, heck yes. It's such a great moment. It's already a great moment. She's, she is as hype as you are, <laughs> that in of, fact. But of course, in, in a sea of people who are terrified for their lives, Arya just sees opportunity. Or something. But yes. Well, that, that, that's what we can talk about. All right. Like, I've heard everything from... Uh, well, first of all, I, I'm pretty sure she's looking at a dragon. Like, I've heard... Like, Oh, that's probably the hound she's looking at. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, she doesn't smile at the hound. Well, she might, but not that big. Not that way. And, you know, there's no reason the other folk are all cowering behind her if it's, like, Gendry. Um, it's true. The, uh, the dragon makes the most sense. And I've heard everything from, I mean, my interpretation is she's just impressed and she's awe-inspired. And she's not afraid because she's seen some crap in her life. And this is just... A moment of a uh, pure wonder, and she—it's it, like a life-forming moment. Something that awesome exists in the world. That's great, and I love that Arya has that reaction. I mean, she's still a teenager, so she is. I mean, she's a teenager the... who's been through some stuff. Yeah, but she still has that capacity for joy. Yes, <laughs> she's she's still got it a little bit, <laughs> way down there. She just kind of look, and it takes a dragon to bring it out, but she's still got it. Like, we didn't see Sansa react, but I imagine her face will be a little more like Cersei's, which I also love when she's, like, trying as hard as she can not to be impressed. I would love that. Oh, yeah. Hey, look at this. We got Tyrion, awestruck. Jon Snow hits the deck, is a little terrified, which, you know, who wouldn't be? He's not a, he's a, he's a smart man. Jamie kind of looking, I don't know, like he um, just remembered... He had the refrigerator running or something, or the stove on at yeah. home and needs to get home. But Arya, Arya's like, okay, this I can live with. This is, this is the goods. I can do something with this, which I love it. Yes. So let me ask you this. Um, ask me, Dan. If Arya's excited by Daenerys' dragons, Sansa, yeah. we've seen in her clips. By the way, the only footage we've gotten from seasons involves like Sansa and Arya, which is kind of neat. Um, in Sansa and her that's not terribly enthused about uh, Daenerys coming to Winterfell. Was that going to create any friction in the Stark family? Uh, so we actually did a really good article on Culturist about this the other day, cool. which basically was suggesting that, you know, Arya might actually be the connection that kind of helps the Starks form this alliance with mm -hmm. Daenerys Targaryen because um, not only are Jon and Arya still pretty close for siblings, um, but... Arya and Sansa have also improved their relationship, Definitely. and so uh, Sansa might be willing to trust a little bit of Arya's judgment on this. Uh, full articles on Culturist.com. Culturist.com. Guys. Um, but it's, I, I think it's possible, and I like the idea of Arya being open to this kind of Yeah, I, I love that too. Yeah. So... But I mean... It's about where I'm at with it. Arya is nothing if not open to new experiences. Word. <laughs> like being a wandering vagabond with the hound, killing people. She tried that out a bunch of times. Being an assassin, uh, posing as, you know, at being an actress for a minute. She's been all kinds of stuff. She so she's like, dragons, this is another cool new thing for me to enjoy. I mean, I think there will be some, I mean, oh, we've discussed this. I think there will be some tension between Daenerys and Sansa. I'm looking forward to that. It's interesting to think about how Arya will play into that. Will she... I, I like your idea that she could be a bridge between yeah. Sansa, who's a little wary of Daenerys coming in and taking over um, Winterfell, mm -hmm. um, and Jon, who is, you know, besotted. <laughs> and Jon, who is, well, ancestral relationship. But um, they don't know that yet. But they don't and know that yet. <laughs> I'm sure that will... 
That's going to complicate oh, matters God, Cheryl, so much. What is that going to be like? It's going to be awful and glorious. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm so excited. I know the Game of Thrones doesn't have commercials, but if it did, here's my here's my idea for a commercial break. Brand's like, uh, John's like, so what do you guys think of Daenerys? Pretty great, huh? And Brand's like, she's your aunt, and then it's just going to like cut to commercial. And the commercial is for Ancestry.com. <laughs> Ancestry.com. Totally. I wasn't. I, okay. I wasn't going. You, you've taken it to a further level. And I appreciate that. That's a good part someone should make. Anyway, <laughs> looking forward to that. Let's see what any of you guys. Yeah. How what are, do you think about this? Uh, how this is everybody feeling? Julie suggests perhaps she sees John riding the dragon. Possible. Possible. I do know that John and Daenerys go ahead. Um, they don't take the dragons with them immediately. At least that was their plan in season seven. So. Right. I'm not sure, but maybe. Uh, Dolores says, stop from Michigan. Hello. And uh, Kenny, of course, says that Arya has... Oh, yeah. Everyone is afraid and she looks excited. Lol. Which I completely agree with. Love Arya's face. Yeah. yeah my, that's my favorite thing about that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. If any of you have any ideas about how that could affect the Stark family dynamic, please share them and we will discuss. Yeah. Sp- speaking of... Uh, <laughs> and Matt Collins, Arya seeing the dragon is so me. It is a mood. It is the biggest mood. I, I completely agree. I'm one of the other people. Who, who I am is people in back of Arya who's like falling over themselves trying to get away from whatever that is happening. I mean, I'm the person who laughs maniacally on roller coasters, so <laughs> Just Arya is a whole mood. All right. Speaking of people um, telling us their theories, yes. Corey Thone, Big Dragon Energy, gotta love it. Um, Kenny Adamo, frequent uh, wick. Uh, Take the Black Live viewer and fan. Hey, Kenny. Love you. Sent in a theory that we... That I think we should talk about. Okay. So he has this idea, Kenny, that... um, What do you think of the scenario that Arya Stark... You've heard of her? She's a short one with the brown hair? We just talked about her for five minutes. More, possibly. Um, Might be able to... Might be the one to basically kill the Night King using her Valyrian steel dagger by stealing a White Walker face. Can that happen? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe? Yeah, possibly. Why not? I, I, I mean, I feel like they've been kind of fast and loose with the rules of um, the, like how the House of Black and White face-stealing thing works. Like, do you have to actually have their face, or can you just kind of woof yourself if you know them well enough? I think the implication is you actually have to have their <laughs> You're face. You're welcome, Kenny. Like, I, I, I think so. There's that one bit in season five where they were wearing Arya's dead face, and I was like, that confuses me. Yeah. Like, it, I don't know. There's, <laughs> you have no there's, idea. The, I don't know. There's, I know, I know. There's, there's, there's magic at work, probably. And then, like, if you do need their face, could they kill a White Walker and get the face? Or, because when White Walkers have died, they've, like, crumbled into dust before. I mean, maybe you have to skin it off a live White Walker? <laughs> like, you have to, like, restrain them like they, they did with, with the... With that Valyrian steel dagger. Yeah. And just, like, chop it. Yeah, I mean... This is this is going deep into some things, but some like lore. I guess it's possible theoretically. I don't see it happening. It's about Kenny. the best. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't see it happening. 
Like, if they did, if, 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 if for no other reason than if they did, it would bring up all the weird, like, face this man rules that are already kind of muddled, and I don't want to muddle them anymore. Yeah, don't invite the rules lawyers. <laughs> they ruin it every time. I'm just kidding. I do appreciate people who pay attention to the rules. Michael Douglas. Oh, or uh, Corey Thorne. You have to find a newly converted walker. Perhaps she could pose as a zombie. That, 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 that could happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, less decomposition, the better. Sure. And then, um, you know, he, 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 uh, Kenny puts some emphasis on the, on the idea that, that the dagger she has will have to play some important part because, you know, they've singled it out. I'm not really sure. I think they just want to give her a cool weapon. I, I think it could stick out because, you know, she now has these two weapons mm-hmm. that are from family members. Um, but I don't think it necessarily has to play out in the fact that it's, uh, her killing the Night King. I think it should sure. just play out in her like defending her sister or yeah. something from I mean, the assault on Winterfell. I think they want her to be like a player in the battles to come. Yeah. So she's going to need some Lyrian Steel to actually be effective against White Walkers exactly. and Whites. It's my take. But maybe. We will all see. And I'm excited to find out. Me too. As Kenny points out, it's in the book from the Citadel, which is true. Must be, have some importance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dagger. And it is. Um, in that case, I'm sorry to keep crapping on your party, Kenny. I really am. Um... I think just, you know, Valyrian's two weapons are, 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 are very rare. So, exactly. um, yeah, there, there will be books about them. There aren't many left. It's true. After the Doom of Valyria. Can't you know, make any more. Uh, you know, the Lannister's obsession with getting one after they lost theirs. So we'll see. So on and so forth. That is my take on it. Yes. Anybody else have any other takes? Um, I would love to hear them. And Corey Thone thinks, may have already said the dagger had its purpose. Alternatively, when she used it to kill Littlefinger. Which point? Although, you know, Fair enough. anything could have done that. You could use a butter knife. Maybe you should have because it would have hurt a lot more and taken a lot longer. Okay, then. I what? mean, it's true. Are you a Littlefinger fan? Um, no, I'm not a Littlefinger <laughs> fan. I just, you know, I think it was devastatingly effective to be so quick. It was. <laughs> I mean, it was a good scene, to get me wrong. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that is where we're going to end that. Although, feel free to keep debating in the comments. But that's, that's my take on it. Um, all right. Before we move on, we have to mention... If anyone was watching um, Good Morning America a couple of days ago, you may have seen an interview with Lena Headey, a noted actress who plays Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. And you may have seen her read a Winter is Coming headline. We are on Good Morning America, kind of. I'm taking it. Let's watch it now. Do we actually have that clip? So we had some breaking news last week on Game of Thrones. I guess there was a, a picture of Cersei ascending and descending oh. stairs. Listen, I, I know that, who's, who's crazy about Game of Thrones? <laughs> that one picture sets off headlines all over. Well, are, are you, I guess you're used to it by now, but every move you make. I know, it's it? nuts. Anything you post, I think people are like, where's a piece of pizza? <laughs> like, it's only a piece of pizza. Like, that really is a piece of pizza. We made it. This is it, guys. <laughs> Our, our ridiculous headline made it on Good Morning America, and Lena Headey read it. I think it's the closest I'll ever get to actually interviewing Lena Headey, so I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> Congratulations. And they were talking there about like just how everything she says is dissected, true, and every action she takes is uh, analyzed, true. Yeah. And she, she, she said at one point that it's kind of a joke that, oh, I can tell you in season eight, I go up and down stairs. And I decided, oh, that, that, that would be fun. So we wrote the headline like, urgent news up and downstairs. as kind of a joke. 
That's what ended up on Good Morning America. You basically were the onion. And let me say, that that article got a ton of views. (laughs) That was actually popular. The internet, you guys. The internet. And it wasn't a lie. No. It was right there. Urgent news. Sir Thanester goes up and down stairs. Look. It wasn't clickbait. I applaud you. I applaud you. You got on Good Morning America. I'm very proud. Yeah. Go, 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 Wick. Go, Wick. Good job, guys. Knocking it out. Knocking it out. (laughs) But yes. Anyway, um, moving on from our, from Wick's uh, ascending celebrity, let's go beyond the wall for a second. Talk about things unrelated to Game of Thrones. Cheryl, this week our beyond the wall topic is um, charged with politics, is charged with uh, kind of the intricacies of modern mores respecting um, gender and the entertainment industry. Let's talk for a second about this controversy. Oh, Corey Thone says, call me when you're you're on Hoda. Good morning, America is more than Hoda. Come on. Isn't it? Hoda's on today. Oh, she is? Isn't she? I don't know. I don't watch it. I I don't either, but I'm pretty sure Hoda (laughs) is on today. But anyway, let us talk about this thing. You have teased me. I totally just get cut off there. You have teased Um, me. So, okay. This little contract stirring up with uh, Captain Marvel, the motion picture starring Brie Larson as superhero. Captain Marvel coming out, I think, March 8th, pretty soon. And uh, there is a brouhaha about Brie Larson talking to Marie Claire, I think, giving an interview. She basically talked about how she noticed on her her press junkets, we're talking about movies, that thing where you sit down, like 18 people go up and interview you, that there were mostly white men doing it, and she wanted to make a push for it to be more inclusive. And then now she's a big star. She can do that. Like, that's something you can do when when you have some clout. One way or another. And so she talked about that. And um, the internet being what it is, uh, she was lambasted for this. You know, people told her to, to shut up, that her movie is going to fail, that she hates white men, which I don't think that amounts to that in the least bit. And another popular thing, her movie was reviewed by the Rotten Tomatoes, where people were just kind of rating the thing they hadn't seen yet, giving it an incredibly low rating, like, you know, at 23%. Which kind of reminds me of the Last Jedi controversy a bit. Oh boy, yes. It's very tied in to yes. the point where Rotten Tomatoes, I guess, after one too many of these things happened, actually revamped its policies. Uh, I, I, I kind of loved their statement. Read us the quote. Yeah. So please, th- they're no longer allowing preemptive ratings of movies because they want to more accurately and authentically represent the voice of fans while protecting our data from public forums and from bad actors. We have seen an uptick in non-constructive input, sometimes bordering on trolling, which we believe is a disservice to our general readership. I love tiptoe language like that. I I really do. Yeah, I mean, look. (sighs) Okay, guys. It's, It's time. It's time for me to have some thoughts about this. Look. Brie Larson is already... Uh, a pretty significant figure in movements like Time's Up. Chips. And I think it is not only appropriate, but it is, in fact, a good thing that she is pushing for more diversity, not just behind the camera or in front of the camera as an actor, but in the coverage of the movie itself. Because there are different perspectives offered by your background, ethnicity, and gender. Um... And so I think that the fact that she noticed that and wanted something to happen 
and to change is a good thing. And the fact that the internet basically kind of, or a significant portion, not even a really significant portion, a very vocal minority of the internet got real mad about it and decided that they were going to do whatever they could to ruin the movie kind of seems like an overreaction. I mean, dare I say a temper tantrum? I I think it's pretty accurate. And so the fact that it took Rotten Tomatoes this long, considering how many movies have kind of gone through this same thing, I mean, good on them for doing something. I wish it hadn't taken this long is kind of my ultimate thought on this thing. Like, I don't think Brie Larson was in the wrong in what she did. I don't think she hates white men. (laughs) Um, But I think that there is definitely a conversation to be had about who gets to not only work on and be in these movies, but who gets to cover them too. Sure. You know, we are part of the media. We you know, when people read our stuff, like we are offering them perspectives and all of that. We try. Or we try at least. (laughs) Um, And so because of that, we, you know, my analysis of something always or often looks different than your analysis of something, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and that's because we come from different backgrounds. We're not the same person. You know, we have different privileges and all of that jazz, so it's it, basically good job, Rotten Tomatoes. Sorry it took so long. Good job, Brie Larson. Like, if I am impressed by her commitment. Um, and of course, you know, this is just one step and many. And there are a lot of stars in Hollywood who are working in some way to kind of improve what Hollywood looks like, what it covers and everything like that. So good on her. I mean... Even if Captain Marvel is a bad movie, and the early reviews seem to say it's pretty good, (laughs) good. um, the early reactions are it's pretty good, and that Brie Larson in particular is pretty good. Um, I'm personally there for Goose the Cat. Um, Gotta love the cat. Like, there, there seems to be no point in this, aside from getting real mad on the internet. And don't get me wrong, there is room to be mad on the internet about things. This is, yeah, this is just beyond like being like, oh, you know, I don't want to see Captain Marvel. It's more like I am actively going to ruin it for everybody else. Like, that's kind of a jerk move, guys. Um, Hello, Clint from Sweden, by the way. Hi. Uh, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I'll I'll just add, I think it's more than just the entertainment industry. I think the internet right now, with things like even Facebook and Twitter and stuff too is kind of having this reckoning where the utopian idea of let's make it open for everybody to say anything didn't quite work out because you can co-op that whether it's you know people spreading um, false news stories on Facebook or review by movies just because they have a problem with the movie's politics uh, I think the internet's kind of starting to learn that complete unfettered unregulated just entirely open access without any without any perspective doesn't work all the time yeah. so we're seeing things like like rotten tomatoes i think action is one of many things that sites are going to be taking over the next like 5 years to try mm-hmm. and make it a little more of a respectable place and will it work personally i think humanity made the internet before it was ready to handle it. that's what i think <laughs> overall <laughs> we needed like 50 more years of soul searching before we could really handle what we're, what we're going to expose ourselves I to i mean look yeah. 
as as off as I'm often reminded of the line from uh, Jurassic Park, we we didn't stop to think if we should. We were so obsessed with whether or not we could that we didn't stop and think if we should. Relatedly, thank you for watching this internet show. We'll be yeah. back next week too. Um, and, uh, we are there, on there, the internet, guys. There is, and we're going to keep doing it. Oh, now that it's here, I'm on board. You can't get me off now. Too late, humanity. I grew up on the internet, so <laughs> it's I'm, I'm soaked in it. I love it. Sorry, guys. And Corey Thone thinks it was a design flaw to allow fans to review movies that weren't in theaters yet, and these folks too. And I'm so sorry, Corey, because I can't read the rest of your comment. I've got to fix that. That it's, is a problem. The start is really intelligent. But yeah, but I, yes. I, I kind of agree that it was a mistake to allow people to review things that weren't out yet, because... You're just going to invite this sort of thing. I mean, you're going to invite. You're going to. I mean, if you don't get somebody decrying it because they hate the politics, I mean, you run the risk of just getting someone who's going to. It's almost as bad to just praise it just because you love the idea. Yeah. Like you're still not doing it accurately. No. Okay. Now, okay. good discussion. Yeah. Everybody, we've had some thoughts today. We are now going to bring on Mr. Josh Hill for our continuing series, A Song of Dan and Josh. But before that, these coming attractions. And I will see you all next week. We are at the Game of Thrones pop-up bar. This is exciting. Guys, emotions, you're going to go in there. We're going to play. We're going to see things. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) We're at the bar. I've got all these faces staring at me here, Dan. What's going on? The man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. That is uh, some of the fan-sided team, myself included, going to a Game of Thrones pop-up bar in Lincoln Park. I want to say it's called Replay. Full video is available soon. Check WordersComing.net for details. And now I'm here with Mr. That was for the. I'm sorry, Richard. It was Mr. Josh Hill back for a song of Dan and Josh. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Hello, everybody. And we are here, who just joining us for the first time. We walk through every single chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire, George R. R. Martin's magnum fantasy opus, chapter at a time, trying to just break them apart. What makes them work, what makes them special, what makes them interesting, what makes them bad sometimes. Not yeah. a lot, though. Not a lot. Um, I've read the books multiple times. Josh Hill has never read the books. Nope. First time. Exactly. And today we are discussing. Has it been a doozy? It has been. Good. I'm glad. I hope, An I mean, enjoyable glad, doozy. Right? Yes, right. The good kind of doozy. <laughs> And today we are talking about Catelyn 1. Yeah. I want to say it's, no, I, I want to say it's the last first chapter, but I think there are a couple more yet to come. Oh. Because I'll be honest, I mean, this, we, it, it does still feel like we're in gear up mode. Yeah. I mean, at this point, we're over I mean, 100 a pages in. Bunch of chapters of just nothing happening, but I mean, a I little bit happening. nothing happening. It's there's just, no action, but there's plot movement. Like, I mean, we're moving it's, it, somewhere. It's, yeah, it's a story. You had yeah. to lay track before the train can get on. And mm-hmm. we're definitely in lane track mode. I also want to point out again, like, w- w- we are not reading this yeah. book like people read books. One like, chapter at a time. A week. Yeah, we're reinventing really the way to read. We are. We're making reading cool. If, if, if anybody out there is reading along with us, um, how, how are you finding that, reading one chapter a week? <laughs> is that fun for you as it is for us? Um, anyway, so Catelyn won. 
What ha- what, what, what's, what's your initial reaction to this chapter? What's the, what's the gist? The gist is that we're seeing Rob do some things, and we're also seeing perhaps a little bit of uh, disconnect between people thinking about Rob's leadership. It's true. Car Stark. Which was, an, that's an interesting name, Karstark. Was everybody in the north of Stark somehow? The Karstarks and the Starks are distant kin. Ah, they're that like, makes sense. They're, like they're not friendly right removed. now. They're, they're getting not. A, little, not, a little bit of a disagreement yeah, so with the, young the, teenage Rob running things in the north. <laughs> he are. also does, he also, I don't know about his negotiating skills. I don't necessarily know if I would want Rob Stark as my agent because he's not going to negotiate the best deal for me. Why not? What, what, well, what he's going to negotiate a deal that nobody's going to accept. Because he basically is like, gimme, 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 gimme. I want Ned's uh, body. Yeah. I want his sword. I want all of these things. I'm going to give you a bunch of things you don't really want back. I'm keeping Jamie, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But give me everything back that I want. And that's a horrible negotiation. Like, what kind of deal is that? Well, I mean, let's, let, 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 let's, let's talk about that. Because yeah. the heart of this chapter is they're, they're at River Run. Rob and Catelyn and all the northern lords, river lords. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to... Negote, they're, try, they're talking to this Cleos Frey guy who is a Frey prisoner. Mm-hmm. They're going to send him back to Cersei with an offer. Yeah. And the offer is basically, Rob wants a lot of stuff. He, she want, he wants Cersei to release his sisters, return Ned Stark's bones, mm-hmm. give back ice, Ned Stark's big old Valyrian steel greatsword, yep. release the hostages Tywin has taken in battle, give him some southern hostages to take. Because, like, hostages work that way in mm-hmm. the medieval times. Like... You took like a hostage and you just raised him as your child, and like that was the insurance. I mean, he did. that's what Theon is. Yeah, like to make sure their parents don't attack you. That, that's exactly what Theon is. So he wants some hostages. Um, he wants to be recognized as an independent king of the North. So that's like Texas saying, like you know, he's recognize seceding. me as the country of Texas. Seceding from Westeros. He's seceding from Westeros. He wants borders to be respected, and he's going to keep Jamie. Yeah, he'll do that. Which is the biggest negotiating piece. Like, that is oh, the yeah. piece that the Lannisters would want back. And he's like, give me all of these things. I'm not going to give you my end of the trade. Which and, is fair and, enough. And, but and like, you think that's unreasonable, the terms he's offering to Cersei? Uh, I think that it's... I can't... I was going back and forth and seeing whether or not that was like he was being sarcastic with the deal. Whether he was like, yes, he's like, yeah, I want all of these things. I don't think so either. But it had a little bit of a sarcastic feel where it's like, I know you want Jamie back. I'm going to ask for everything, and you're not going to get back what you want. I don't know. It just didn't seem like very good negotiation to me. But, well, uh, I mean, first of all, it's not really negotiation. Like, mm-hmm. he's telling this clear spray guy, give this terms to Cersei. He's, mm-hmm. not, he's not, like, negotiating, like, back and No, forth. but, like, if you're going to negotiate, he's if you're going to send yeah. out terms, maybe don't nuke, like make him, don't nuke the bridge before you can even approach right. it. Like, And Catelyn agrees with you. She mm-hmm. says, like, you should have made the terms a little nicer. She's not going to do this. He's into it. Like, if you want to get those things, and this is, that also kind of revealed to me a little bit, because Rob's a, a teenager. He's a teenage kid. Yeah. Like, he's not this grown adult leader. Like, he's not had a lot of experience. He's kind of been thrust <laughs> into this. And that kind of signified that to me, where he's jumping straight to Z when you need to go through the rest of the alphabet to kind of finesse your way to getting the deal that you want. Sure. But he instead is like, no, just this is the terms, or these are the terms. Give me everything that I want right now. And there's no, like, he might be able to get most of that if he was able to have a little bit of, you know, working it a little bit up to that point. But he just sure. jumped straight to And that, that, that was immaturity to me. Or at least that's how I interpret it. Well, as Sean Powers says, I think the offer wasn't supposed to be serious, but more rub their face in how much he's winning. Maybe. It's good, too. But like, also, maybe not a good long-term strategy. Probably not. Let's see. I mean, <laughs> he, here's a kicker for me. Mm-hmm. So he, he offers that deal to Cleo's phrase. He says, yep. goes tell Cersei my terms, and they're ridiculous terms. 
And Catelyn's like, you should have made those sweeter. But do you remember why Lord Karstark is mad and walks out of the room? He thinks those are too soft. He's angry. He, his son has been killed by the mm-hmm. Lannisters in battle by Jaime. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want peace terms at all. No. He's like, why are we, we're being too nice. These terms are too good. <laughs> so just the, the question is there, how do you negotiate that? Like you think, and I think you're right that those terms are very harsh, but the reality is these people in his army who think they're not harsh enough. Yeah. So how do you negotiate that? How do you I'm, do it, Josh? I'm not the king of the north, so I have no idea. So I'm also <laughs> not going to any red wedding anytime soon. So no, there's exactly. also that. No, it's it's he's in a tough spot, and that's why I, I wanted to highlight his immaturity because he doesn't know. He's not a, a an experienced leader who would know how to handle a situation like this, where you have to delicately walk this tightrope of being a negotiator who actually wants to get what you want mm-hmm. and appeasing the men who are fighting and dying for you and make, not throwing them off to the side and being like, you're just pawns in my game. Your opinions don't matter here. And he has to kind of balance that. And I don't think he can, because he goes, swings way too far to the one side. Sure. Whereas Catelyn maybe is more measured. She's more measured, she, but at the than, same time, I mean, like if, if she had given Catelyn's terms, which I, I think she'd be willing to give Jamie back if, mm-hmm. if they got the girls back and, and they talk about that. I think the lords would be even angrier. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not really sure there is like a way out of this exactly, which which is the kind of thing that he's going to confront again and again mm-hmm. in this book, or or, or 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 the kind of these books are about. Yeah, like what is what do you do when there is no, there is really no good option? Mm-hmm. But um, that's what he goes with. We'll see if it bears any fruit. The other kind of big decision point they talk about in here that's again we're talking about Rob's leadership is about Theon. So right now, Rob's problem is, you know, he has the River Lords with him. That's nice. Uh, the Northern Lords, that's cool. But Tywin's out there with the Bountain, and he's just burning and pillaging and raping villages throughout the Riverlands. That's bad. bad. Um, Do not endorse. Yeah, so he, he, he's getting pounded there. Yeah. And he's like, I need allies. So he wants to send Theon back to his father, Balon Greyjoy in the Iron Islands. Mm-hmm. His idea being... Well, Theon's his son. He can negotiate for Balin to come on our side, mm-hmm. and he can help us fight the Lannisters, and in return, I'll declare him king of the Iron Islands. Not a terrible idea. Catelyn doesn't like it, though. Nope. Here's the, here's the point why. Catelyn studied Theon Greyjoy's sly smile, wondering what it meant. That young man had a way of looking as though he knew some secret jest that only he was privy to. Catelyn had never liked it. And her idea is... Like, you, you, you shouldn't send Theon for great for Balon. Mm-hmm. Like, Theon's your leverage over that guy. It's his son. Yeah. Like, again, that's what the hostage thing is medieval times. You keep somebody's hostage, some noble, important person, mm-hmm. and that's how you get into they want to attack you. And, like, don't send it back. Send somebody else. But Rob decides to send Theon anyway. Saying Catelyn's, I uh, like this line, uh, Catelyn was finding that kings do not listen half so attentively as sons. Mm-hmm. Fun. Funny. Who's, who's uh-huh. right here? Catelyn again. <laughs> Don't, I mean, in, don't in, send him. Like, I mean, in, in that case, we have proof. Because yeah. we know that Theon ends up joining with his father. Yeah. Balin ends up sacking the North and ends up huge problems. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't know. If you put that out of your head, do you still think, think that Catelyn is, is in the right of that? Yeah. I mean, I, anticipating something bad happening like that is something that has to go into decision-making. And, again, it highlights the immaturity of Rob. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't make decisions in a measured way. He doesn't approach them in looking at it from all angles. He just kind of goes with what it, I don't want to say he goes with his gut, but it feels like he goes with kind of I mean, one of the first couple eventually. options that he comes up with. Whereas Catelyn is more 
she, she takes a step back and wants to assess everything, which is a very Ned kind of way of doing things. Uh, then didn't turn out so well for Ned, but like she, there's very much a immaturity in Rob and we're having a maturity in Catelyn, a leadership that, you know, he should maybe be taking some cues from her, but that's the juxtaposition of their decisions. Right. Rob's making these bad decisions, in my opinion, and Catelyn's making the right ones. And it's the wisdom of having been in these situations or around sure. these situations before. I mean, I, th- I think it's a little harsh to call them bad decisions. Just, I don't know, because I, again, I really do think there's not a great way out. There's not, there's not a way to this that makes everybody happy. No. Like, I guess with Theon, it's, it's, it's more clear. You could send somebody else who's not the hostage you're keeping <laughs> from the guy that would be smart. But then again, I get it too, because like he, he, he Rob grew up with Theon, mm-hmm. like they're close. So he figures you're my guy. Mm-hmm. He's wrong, but he figures it. Yeah. Um, which is a very Ned mistake to make. I guess so. Yeah. This is going to play I'm out a certain way and it plays out completely differently. What about, uh, the idea that Rob refuses to give back Jamie in exchange for his sisters? Like that's, you could call that uh, mature, you know, if, if you were just immature, you'd be like, I want my family back. I'll give yeah. them what they want. But Rob refuses because he figures Jamie's is the only real leverage, which is true. Is that the right call there? Catelyn's against that. Catelyn wants him to get back Jamie, get back Arya and Sansa. Yeah, and I see where Catelyn's coming from with it. And I don't, I just don't think that you can, I, I don't think that that specific part of the deal is bad. I think that mm-hmm. it's, he took big swings like that and packed them all into one big deal where he's like, I want all of the things. Yeah. He wants all of the things where if it would have been just that, Mm -hmm. maybe we're having a different conversation, but it's the fact that it was that in this and this and all of these things and a little bit of extra. And then it's like, you're going down like the frozen yogurt thing. You're just dumping things (laughs) in and you don't want to pay for it at the end. It's like, that's not how, that's not how that works, which I agree with you. I wouldn't necessarily call it a bad decision. I, I take that back. But it's not you can. a good you or say a right, you an idiot. a good or a right decision. It is. But again, you're right. There's no what is right. What is the correct yeah, way to go? What about is right, it? man? There is no doesn't exist, man. Right doesn't exist. Time is a flat circle, and Doesn't Rob Stark is just right and wrong are illusions, man. Get with it. Rob Stark is both right and wrong. There you go. So smart. Anyway, the, I mean, the, the, the point of this chapter is kind of get Catelyn to the point where she has an idea. She's like, okay, he, he needs allies. I don't think he should send Theon to allies. That's stupid. But that Renly idiot is prancing, is, um, you know, declaring himself king. I'm going to go hit him up and see if he can help. Mm-hmm. Not a bad plan. Um, again, that doesn't quite work, but worth a try. And I mean, as we know, it, it, it doesn't work, not because Catelyn fails, but because <laughs> Melisandre births a yeah. shadow baby and it's a whole thing. Oops. Which you really couldn't see coming. I'm sorry. No, no that's a plot twist. That's a plot twist. <laughs> that's going to be a good chapter when we get to that. So that's kind of what happens in the chapter, yeah. um, like plot-wise. I thought it was, I, I liked the chapter, the style of it. I thought Catelyn and Rob's relationship is, is, is cool to me. There's mm-hmm. a bit where she kind of, she gets mad that he won't exchange Jamie for the girls. And mm-hmm. she kind of hurts him a little bit. Like accuses him of not caring about his sisters, mm-hmm. and it's one of those moments again where Rob is he kind of vacillates between important king guy and like fifteen year old kind of kid. This is my mom, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is my mom, and she's yelling at me. It's a weird thing, which which is fun. I, I I like that kind of trait. Yeah, which again is not really on the show because Rob is a little aged up mm-hmm. and does not look fifteen at all. He no does not. So I like that. Um, I like the description of his crown at the beginning because that was loaded with symbolism. Mm. <clears throat> Rob's crown looked much as the other was said to have looked in the tales told of the Stark kings of old, 
an open circlet of hammered bronze incised with the runes of the first men, surmounted by nine black iron spikes wrought in the shape of long swords. Cool Oof. crown, right? Of gold and silver and gemstones, it had none. Bronze and iron were the metals of winter, dark and strong to fight against the cold. That's cool crown. That is a cool crown. And again, just very kind of a starky, sparse. Like we don't we don't need no gold and silver and gemstones <laughs> on our crown. We're very we're very austere and severe. Make this nice and grungy looking crown. Yeah, the kings of the north. <laughs> it's a badass kind of thing. Whereas you know, if there was a Lannister crown, it would be like dripping in jewels down. To, oh yeah, down to your knees because that's their style. Mm. And I I I think that's he 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 does a good job of kind of imbuing the character of these yeah. people into everything, into the way they talk, the way they dress, the mm-hmm. crowns they choose to wear. Ah, uh, what else goes on there? I do want to underline the importance of oaths again. I think it's really important to do because they come up a lot. The, the, so, so Rob is offering this thing to Cleos Frey. Mm-hmm. Like he's making him, you pledge to me, you will tell Cersei this and then come back here so I can jail you again, which is a little, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but he makes them swear an oath. And Edmure Tully, Catelyn's brother, says, every man, in, every man in this hall has heard you. If you do not return, the whole realm will know you forsworn. And again, just hammering down how important that is in a world where there is no centralized government or effective centralized government, and there really is no law of the land to speak of, mm-hmm. these oaths are hugely important. Like, that's how you get bound to your obligations. You yeah. need those things. That's why Jamie is spat upon his whole life, because even though he did the right thing and killed the Mad King, he swore he wouldn't. He and swore he an oath, and he did. Oops. So you, you are honor-bound yeah. to hate somebody who breaks an oath. That's mm-hmm. why the Red Wedding is such a big deal, because Walter Frey swears he won't hurt them. Mm-hmm. But he does. It's a big deal. So just, that's a constant thing. Um, we get one more... I want to say this will be the last comment interpretation. I don't know. We, we are 100 pages in. We are still getting new ones. I enjoyed it. It was uh, the Blackfish's interpretation. That's blood up there, child, smeared across the sky. <laughs> ah, nice. nice and happy and joyous. It's blood good. smeared in the sky. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that one. Just <laughs> nice and simple. Because, again, there's a lot of fighting in the Riverlands. Makes yep. sense. He's seen it. Interpretation. I, I also enjoyed uh, Catelyn doing some... A, um, title porn, and B, kind of setting this up for us. She talks about uh, Tywin Lannister a bit. Mm-hmm. She's afraid that Tywin's going to outsmart Rob, which is why she wants to go get Renly to help them out. Mm-hmm. For Tywin Lannister, Lord of Casterly Rock, Warden of the West, Father to Queen Cersei, Sir Jamie the Kingslayer, and Tyrion the Imp, and Grandfather Joffrey Baratheon, the new crowned king boy, was the true danger Catelyn believed. A nice little summary. And you know this book, these books love titles. Mm-hmm. They love them. Oh, yeah. They got to recite those all the time. <laughs> Anything else to know about this chapter, Josh? No. I think of all these chapters <laughs> yeah. that uh, not a lot has happened, this definitely seemed... Maybe it's because I've been we're, been... we're being conditioned to this point to know that not sure. a lot is going to happen, but things do happen. It didn't feel like any of these other ones. It felt like it was kind of jam-packed. Oh, yeah. I mean, stuff. they're always jam-packed with stuff. I just think the difference between, like, plot momentum and just Actual richness action, and yeah. symbolism and character and like the juicy things that make a good book. The juice. I mean like I think I think all the chapters are good. The juice, yes. Just OJ's all over this thing. Um, I think all the chapters have been good. Just uh, not a lot's happened yet. But again, you know, we're reading them one at a time over a week. 
And by the way, uh, Sean asks, what's your theory of what happened to that crown after they surrendered? And my answer, Sean, I don't know. I have no idea. I kind of forgot that was a question. I guess we'll get to that <laughs> when we get to it. There you go. You heard it here first. And Dan Kenny Adamo said, I am looking forward to the Game of Thrones Oreos. And I agree. You looking forward to that? I am too. You know what? Would be have perfect. you heard about that? I have. You know what a perfect setting for Game of Thrones Oreos would be? What's that? A Game of Thrones Facebook Live show. That's a, a really good point. People can watch us eat the Oreos, and then later they can listen to it. That's the world I want to live in, where somebody's on a treadmill listening to us talk about books, eat Oreos. That's, <laughs> come on. Me too. That's my dream. Let's make it happen. And finally, vocabulary. Just one word I wanted to point out. that This actually comes up quite a bit. Yeah. Um, like, on the show even, they mentioned this. Cat's paw. Cat's paw. A person used unwittingly or unwillingly by another to accomplish the other's own purpose. <laughs> it's good. It's a good right? word. Cat's yes. paw. So, you know, you hire some idiot to, um, I don't know, do something you don't want to be caught doing yourself. Mm-hmm. He's your cat's paw or she's your cat's paw. There you go. You said in daily life. Anything else, Josh, before we adjourn and start reading... Tyrion 2 Tyrion for two. next week. All right. No, I'm ready for Tyrion 2. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll be back here next Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. More Game of Thrones news, more Song of Fire discussion, more John Fiction deep dives, and more A Song of Dan and Josh. Signing off. Thanks for watching. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Keep your walls and trim protected while you paint with Scotch Blue Painter's Tape. It's designed for use on multiple surfaces and can be removed easily without leaving residue behind. Save big on Scotch Blue Painter's Tape from Menards. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save